0: I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning introducing Lent, simply to remind us that Lent is the 40 days, the the six weeks that lead up to Easter, basically. It begins with Ash Wednesday and it will end on Good Friday, Holy Saturday, or really Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. And it's a time that some people love, some people don't. Some people don't know anything about and some people, I guess, say that, oh, don't the Catholics do that? That's what most of us Baptists grew up saying. But for us this year, I hope it's a time when we can face Lent and face some of the difficult things that come in the scriptures. Not because we need to be morbid or always look at the hard stuff or the difficult stuff. Of course, there is reason to do that in church, but... But maybe, hopefully, by looking at the the hardest parts of faith, some of the hard things we have to deal with, we can see that in dealing with the difficult things, God meets us. God responds. That's where God can be most at work. And so this morning we faced we faced temptation You've heard that already. We've prayed forgiveness for failing when it comes to temptation. But hopefully we can remember that last verse of this passage that we're about to read. Which is, once the devil left him, suddenly the angels came and waited on him. See, our our prayer is, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. The Lord rarely leads, leads us into temptation. But deliver us from evil. If anybody's going to deliver us from evil, attend to us after we have resisted, it will be the Lord. But as we face temptations, we, well, that's just a part of life. And as we read about Jesus facing temptation, I hope we can remember and learn and see some of the temptations we will face. And then be assured by the God who meets us when we finish resisting. Our sermon this morning is inspired by the Gospel of Matthew. It comes from chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. If you want to read along or listen and see how the Lord works as we hear Scripture. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and then afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And he says to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus says, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and suddenly the angels came. And waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a line in a song by that country music singer Casey Musgraves. When she sings, I'm the kind of person who starts getting kind of nervous when I'm having the time of my life. The implication that is in the song is that right when everything seems perfect, most right with the world, as Ralphie says in a Christmas story, that's when stuff comes crashing down. It's kind of what happened in this passage, isn't it? Jesus was led by the spirit to be tempted. For 40 days, he fasted and he prayed and You would think after 40 days had pretty much survived his trial, right? And then that's when we hear that the temptations start. After fasting, the devil comes to tempt him. And these temptations were sly and seductive and and wrapped in scripture of all things. They had to have been sly or seductive because... Let's be honest, when the little devil is on your shoulder, it's pretty easy to resist, right? The obvious threats, we are pretty good at resisting and staying away from. Uh, but, but as we go through this passage and, and see these three scenes that kind of show themselves in a way that might remind us like uh, Dickens' Christmas Carol. We see some temptations that we will face. Not exactly the same way, but they're the same temptations we face. And hopefully when it's done, we will learn and and be reminded and, and assured. that The Lord will meet us and tend to us too. When all was right with the world, when Jesus had had been. Strong in his prayer and his fasting for 40 days. That's when the devil came. And said, just turn those stones into bread. You know, you can do it. Jesus responds, of course, that we can't live by bread alone. And and he's not saying that we don't need food. But but the temptation here. It's not just about food. It's about what we consume or what we gather, what we take. It relates to us taking too much, reaching beyond what we need, what we actually truly need. Jesus didn't need bread in that moment, but he was tempted to get bread. Now, this doesn't mean you need to set down the roll at lunch today. Maybe you should if that's what your paleo whatever says you should do. But 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 we're going to be tempted at times to take bread that we don't need. And not just bread, we will be tempted at times to take things from the wrong people or in the wrong places or at the wrong time. And in this way, anytime we slip up we give in to the temptation of the devil which was to turn something that was supposed to be this into that that which is extra that which is something we don't need that which is beyond our actual needs and so no we don't live by bread alone but we're tempted to chase after more than we need and so we must resist. In the second instance of temptation from from Matthew. The devil jumps to the Psalms. Because of course, yes, it's worth remembering. The devil is good at quoting scripture. And it can be seductive to hear scripture quoted and think, oh, that that must be good. Even when scripture is twisted and used the wrong way. Beware, not everybody who knows the scripture is from the Lord. And this time the devil says, just jump, just jump from the top of the temple. The psalm says the angels are going to catch you and you're not going to fall. You're not going to hit the ground. It's going to be just fine. Like prove that the scripture works by doing this thing. There was a temptation For Jesus there to prove or to show or to reflect something more important and more spectacular than he really needed to do. The devil knew that Jesus was the son of God. Jesus knew he was the son of God. They were on the same page about that. There was no proving that needed to happen. But there is a temptation to make yourself more spectacular, more important than you really are, than we really are. And it's nice to feel important. It's nice to feel glamorous and spectacular. And, and I, I'm not saying we don't put on our best. But I am saying at times we fall into the trap, the, the temptation to, to only show certain parts of ourselves. Or to hide the parts of ourselves that we don't like, that we think fall short. Or we use some form of status, or our address, or our vehicle, or some aspect of our job, our lives, our personalities, to inflate who it is we really are. And in in doing that, we betray our identity as children of God. Oh, it's easy to pick on the kids, but nobody, nobody posts pictures in their social media feed of the pile of dishes. They post the piles of sand at the beach that they're resting in. And when we use our feeds or we we get shaped by that way of thinking. Which may not be a temptation for you, but is for many We're we're giving in to being on top of the temple and trying to prove something that we're not. We're trying to prove something that we are beyond what we need to. When we consider Jesus's temptation on top of the temple or to jump off the cliff, as he says in Luke. We we betray that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. We forget that you don't need to pretend you're anybody other than who God created you to be. You just need to be the best version of who God created you to be. You're enough. Don't give in to the temptation to inflate who you are to impress someone who might be impressed by the wrong things. Thirdly, Jesus is tempted to worship the devil, and he resists that pretty quickly. And I have every confidence that you would resist it quickly too. I mean, if the devil came in and was like, "Look, just bow down and worship me," like that's a pretty easy one to say no to. A lot of y'all been resisting blue devils for years and years and years, and it's totally fine as far as you're concerned. But if the red devil came in, we'd resist. But it's not just about worshiping a devil. It's actually about putting things before our devotion to God. Every one of us is tempted all the time to put things before God and, and God's plans and desires and instructions for us. And we we probably lose more than we win on that one. It's a good thing there's Forgiveness. But it's helpful, too, to know that we can resist. We can resist, even though we regularly fall victim of following the wrong things every day. We know that we're bombarded with images and opportunities and relationships and and all sort of of overarching things that, that point us in directions away from where God might be pointing us. And it is a constant struggle and battle, and it would be easy If it were two paths diverging in the woods and the devil was on one side and God was on the other. But sometimes it's a little muddier than that. And so we work, we we pray, we think, we discern, we we take great care and we hope that that by putting our eyes on where we think the Lord is leading us, we can resist the temptation and, and then sense God working Maybe that leads us to what happens after we resist temptation. I wish the scripture had gone into it more. It just says suddenly the angels came and and waited on him. Maybe if I were more of a Greek scholar, I could uh, explain what waited on him really meant in the context. But I think we can trust that something important, special, fulfilling and nourishing happened after that resistance. Can you think of a time maybe when you did sense that happening? When you were able to resist temptation, focus on where God was leading you. And during the the aftermath of that, you sensed assurance and, and nourishment that came. You sensed that though you felt alone in resistance when it was over, You felt fulfilled by assurance. As Jesus moves through the Gospels, there is a a real sense that those who are faithful have their needs met. Not in a one to one prosperity gospel, sort of if you pray, then you'll get rich sort of relationship. I don't believe that's what we're saying. But but I do believe what's here. Is that that through faithfulness, we find fulfillment. When we're devoted to and invest in our relationship with God, we find something comes from it. And, and we remember that that when we really think back to our, our greatest times of need, our most difficult times. It may not have been a literal angel, but God was sending someone to attend to us. God was sending things to us to Well, to wait and to care for us. That's what happens when we are able to resist temptation and turn towards faithfulness. God does meet us. And that's a perfect reason to have the table set like it is today. I suppose most of you didn't get up thinking, oh, we're going to go to church and have communion today. But but in a way that emulates this passage, we remember that we're called to resist. We we try to resist. We succeed in resisting or maybe we don't. But after it's over, we take nourishment from the love and support of God. There's many ways to go to the table. There's many reasons to go to the table. There's there's many times in which we talk about the different aspects that that the Lord's Supper does for us. But today we come and and we meet at this table, remembering it and, and proclaiming that this is nourishment, not just for our bodies, but for our souls. And hopefully it's for our souls because it's just a really small cracker and a tiny sip of juice. But it's a symbol of the promise. It's a symbol of the promise that when we're famished, the Lord meets us when we're fasting and resisting, the devil's going to try to tempt us. But but when we're faithful and hold strong, this is the Lord who meets our needs. The one who gave us the table, the one who gave himself for us and the one who resurrected himself and, and meets us yet still again. And so today, the the, the lead of the story, the the lead of the sermon, the the title is Facing Temptation and the the admonishment, the acknowledgement that we will face temptation. The work is to be faithful. To resist the quick fixes of the day. And the response is to find nourishment From the God who loves us, loves us, the God who created us and and gave himself for us. And promises to meet us as we resist temptation every day. And we'll start with that today as we move to the close, close of our service. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this service and we give you thanks for the promise. That as we resist, you meet us, you nourish us, you care for us and you provide for us. And so, Lord, do so for us now, today, though, though the, though the bread is small and the, and, and the juice is little. Help us to sense the promise that comes in each one of them as we gather around the table today. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.